So this is Martine. Hi, everyone. Your last name. Rekovic. It's Rassette. It's French or Rassette. You can say Rassette, which is like the English version of my French name. Or you can say the French version, which is Rassette. Martine Rassette. Rassette. It's like a race. French Canadian. Yes, I am. Oui, oui, bonjour. And she speaks fluent Spanish. So um, anyway, Martine has a travel company, which I have been, what, like four countries with you? For Peru, Costa Rica, Guatemala. Well, and we did Chile on our own. But yeah, I mean, Chile. Um, I'm in Canada with me eventually. I do need to, And you need to come to Texas. Oh, I know. Okay. It's on my list of places. So she is an entrepreneur. She does this all on her own. She has like the most amazing program, the most amazing personality. She creates the most amazing trips. And I really wanted, Martine just has like a really beautiful uh, outlook on, on, on your working relationship and how you can create your own life kind of thing. And I really wanted Martine to come in and talk about how she framed her own life out of this. And then like, you know, how to give you, to give people some ideas of ways in which they can, you know, choose their self basically, yeah. instead of doing corporate America kind of bullshit. It's staying in the box. Staying you in the box. You can get out of the box. You don't say that. Corporate America, whatever. But right. You don't have to stay in the box, essentially. It's a bit of an illusion, really. The box. It is. So, so what, what got you out of the box? Well, so it all started with, you know, I was a geriatric social worker. I'd done my master's. I'd studied through, you know, all of this university. And, and, uh, and I actually was working in the tourism industry at the time, you know, to pay for all my university. And then when I had to switch into social work, I'm like, uh, this is not really, you know, this is not really fulfilling me. I thought I was going to be giving back more, but in the end, I ended up pushing more paper and it was really frustrating because I didn't feel like I was giving back of myself to the world, right? And a lot of people feel that. They're kind of, they feel like they're just, you know, typing, doing stuff, but they don't feel like they're giving back in any way. They're, they're living for someone else's dream and not their own. Uh, and for some people it works and it's fine because they have so many things on the side that they can do that fulfills them. But most people spend most of their time, awake time, doing something for someone else and not for themselves, right? Or doing something that's not fulfilling. So I was in Toronto at the time and, you know, paying a lot of money for rent, which is funny, just a little tidbit is that I now pay the same rent in a year that I used to pay in a month in Toronto. Just side note. So I was basically, yeah. so I was basically just wondering why I was doing all that. And I was making all this money to buy things I didn't actually want. And I was feeling like I wanted to travel, but at the time I didn't really know how to do that. I came from a very, you know, simple French game background where we used to go camping. You know, that was our that was our trip, you know, and I didn't really know how to travel. And at that time in Toronto, I met this very significant person who changed a lot of the way I see life today. And you know, maybe this is what I'm going to say today will change the lives of others. But he basically said, stop living within that box. You know, that box is very much an illusion. It's, it's sort of parameters that we've put around ourselves to feel comfortable. But we can see that when there's a pandemic or there's, you know, something big happening, that box really just disintegrates. It's not, it's just there to keep us within a pattern, within a certain way of living. And I wasn't happy with that way of living. So I basically was inspired to sort of step out of my everyday lives. And I started a company at the time 
Well, first it started with a documentary pilot called Step Out, and it was all about people who lived, you know, in their worlds, nine to five, you know, doing all the work that they're doing every day, like a lot of people do, but they want to step out for a bit just to reconnect with themselves, the world, you know, these kinds of things. So we brought 21 people to Costa Rica, which was a very specific place in Costa Rica that we brought them to. It's called the Osa Peninsula. And it's an area that's fully disconnected really from the rest of the world. And just recently, now we have internet there, you know, we have Wi-Fi that reaches us, but until just recently, we didn't even have that. So it was a place that was fully disconnected. And, and this is now, wow, I want to say like 16 years ago or so, we brought these people and I did a, a documentary pilot. So I sh we shot a documentary pilot with these 21 people. And out of those seven people, we really followed through their sort of stepping out, you know, a situation where they disconnected from their phones. They all of a sudden, they were surrounded by this incredible nature. It wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just, you know, seeing offices and buildings and billboards now i was seeing birds and animals and you know ocean and these kinds of things i can see now you're like putting yourself into that motion yourself of being <laughs> yeah. uh, but it really helped people to disconnect next thing you know we realized that we had created something more than just this doc documentary pilot we created an actual way of traveling which was to disconnect from your everyday life reconnect with nature do something sustainable, small scale, which is kind of funny now because travel has really gotten a big hit. So these large companies, you know, that bring large groups everywhere or like do a lot of, you know, those are not going to be so appealing for people. Now they're going to be looking for more small scale things that are, you know, really stepping ever so lightly on the places people visit, right? And so that's how it happened. And next thing you know, I called my business and said, sorry, I'm not coming back. And I started my own travel company. And that's how it all started. And in 2013, it had a bit of a makeover. It's now called Rainforest Reef Escape. And yeah, I've been doing that now for since 2006. So. Yeah. Well, you, I remember, okay. I don't remember where we were when you told me this, but you told me something that actually did really change my life with my perspective of the box. Um, I was, I was grappling with always like this concept of like, oh, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. Like I need to own a house. Like, why do I need to own a house? Do I actually really need to own a house? No, but society sort of has sort of indoctrinated me into thinking like I need to own this house. Right. And then, but I was always kind of going like, well, once you pay off the said house, you still owe property taxes and you still own, I mean, it's just like for a forever leash kind of thing. And you were like, replace the word own with responsible for yeah and i was like what and you're yeah. like yeah just you tell, ask yourself responsible for owning really this house it's not you're not you're not really owning it you're just responsible for it for the time you're on this planet and then you're like oh and then yeah and then i was kind of going like and then i actually started using that word i'm like i want to be responsible for and i'm like no no i don't want to be responsible for anything um, <laughs> So yeah, I know that applies to a lot of things. You know, people say I want, I want, I want these things, but then really you're you're not owning them. You're just responsible for them, you know. And then if something and they end up owning you, you, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, and I put a curve on that. And that, of course, all the the richest people on the planet own their own properties. Okay, I get that. Like there's a, there's a certain thing about owning also, and, and some people it makes them feel good. But you don't have to own. You don't have to. In fact, you can rent better in most cases and live in better spots when you're renting than if you own. So just saying. And yeah, the idea of just, do you want to be responsible for that? You know, a lot of people well, and I'm kind of like, 
location non-committal. So I, um, I, I really like, like the idea of not being in one place for the rest of my life. I like the idea of, you know, being able to up and move or whatever, you know, um, and maybe there'll be a time in my life where like a bust a knee or something. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I just want this one place forever, but I don't yeah. see that happening for me, but you know. Yeah. And the thing is, is also when people work and make a lot of money, obviously they have to settle in one place to be able to continue doing this work in general. Okay. Obviously there's exceptions to everything, but then they accumulate responsibilities and then they have to pay for this overhead of all these things that often they don't even want. They don't even want. So yeah, when I was in Toronto, I had to make this much money to pay for this overhead, but really I didn't even want any of that overhead. So now I don't have to make this much money because I don't have that much overhead. So it's just a way of changing your perception of what is important to you in your life. You know, if you're someone who, like my sister, for example, she prefers to be in one spot. She enjoys that. She loves to travel, but she loves her home. She loves being in one spot. So it's all individuals. But I have to say that I, I feel like more and more people are realizing they don't have to be in the box. You know, they can step out of it. And there's many options of how to do that. Yeah. I mean, my, my older brother and I were talking about this last night. He's um, uh, in a kind of golden handcuff situation where he's got the wife, the two kids and the six figure job. And, you know, it's a corporate kind of job, but it, he doesn't give a really, he doesn't care about the, he's like, it's actually just, you're pretending to care about something you don't care about. Like you're building someone else's dream. And so, you know, but at the same time, he's kind of like, I, you know, He's like, to me, it wouldn't matter if I made an additional six figures on that because we'd figure out how to spend it. It's like whatever you make, you figure out how to how to spend and it's just to what end. It's not like you, I guess he was, he was kind of like, you never get super ahead of the curve. So you might as well enjoy, you know, but that's the main, you know, but they don't really There's actually There's research out there. I can't, I can't quote the, the, the actual research right now. I don't remember, but they showed there's a certain level of income that you can make where after that, it doesn't, it has no effect with happiness. Like, I think it's like 75,000 or something where after that, if you make more than 75,000, you're not going to be happier, you know, but like right. anywhere between like 40 and like 75, yeah, it's going to, it's going to affect like how much you can travel, what you can do and these kinds of things. But there is a threshold where after that, you're just making money for just making money. And really you're not, you're not happier. You know, you may be doing more, maybe traveling more, maybe buying bigger things, but you're not happier. And so, you know, I think that's the most important thing in life. I think we all, it's like the search of love, happiness, you know, and, and just being fulfilled. And that's not with money, you know, it's with, it's how you give back. You know, they actually say there's two things that make people happy. And one is nature. And I think a lot of people can agree to that. And the other one is giving back. I mean, when you give back and that's in any shape, way or form, you feel there's a certain happiness that's automatically there, you know? So people can figure out how to do, put themselves around nature and give them back. And that's what I've done. I basically own a travel company that brings people right into the most crisp of nature that exists. And I give back in terms of it's sustainable. I try to give back to the local community in any way, shape, or form I can, you know? I mean, and the places I've gone with you, it's just like, whether it's like to call or Machu Picchu or, or, or the Osa Peninsula, it's like, uh, uh, 
we're so off the beaten path and we really do like get to see like snakes that could kill you but as well as beautiful frogs that like are rare that no one sees but I, I mean but you're not scared of you're seeing monkeys and you know there's ocelots in the forest it's, I, I mean there's just stuff that you get to see another ecosystem that's going on that's just not uh, Disney World not Disney World but better um, and like I do, I, I, I've noticed for myself, I definitely need that sense of awe. Like I need, I need, um, I need nature to make, to, to humble me and bring mm -hmm. me back down to like, whoa, okay. Yeah. You have systems that are self-sustaining that work. This is interesting. Yeah. Really well, you do these things like, uh, forest bathing now where people will immerse themselves into these environments because and it shows their stress level goes down like right your anxiety level stress level there's such a problem with anxiety right now and there's a global consciousness and then all of that is affecting like there's just so much anxiety right now so if you're able to just step away from your building and like wherever you are in your four walls and just step out and go into nature i mean it's very uh soothing for the soul let me tell you so how are you going to adjust to this um covid stuff yeah well right now it's kind of like a fourth vacation i kind of <laughs> see it like that like i actually for the first because you know when you work for yourself there's also they say you'll never meet someone who works harder than someone who works for themselves because you're constantly True. you know you're not just working for someone else you're working for your own dream so you're not necessarily making much money but you are working towards something that makes you happy so right now it's kind of like a forced vacation where i'm like oh i can netflix I'm like, it's okay. Like during the day, like, so I'll do a little bit of that, but now I'm feeling like, you know, I can see a horizon where, where COVID will, uh, will be dealt with in one shape, way or form. I don't know what it's going to be, if it's going to be this crazy vaccine or whatever it's going to be, that's going to make people feel more comfortable, but ideally, um, you know, travel will return, but it hopefully will return in a more sustainable, responsible way. And I think I'm at the front of the, the of the pack when it comes to that already. So I don't feel worried. My product, it's not like I'm selling cruise ships, you know? Come right. to the cruise ship, you know? You're right, yeah, you're, you're, you're selling stuff out in the middle of nowhere where it's as perfect, even if you didn't have COVID. I mean, it I was like- I yeah. travel already, you know? That's what I do. I'm a bubble traveler, you know? So I feel like I'm ahead of the pack for that. And I feel like um, you know, the travel industry is going to get a lot of changes. I don't know about the States and Europe, but I can talk about Canada. There's a lot of issues there, you know, that, that they put a lot of the burden on us, small travel companies, instead of on travel insurance companies, for example. And so it's put us in a very uh, vulnerable space where I don't know if many of us will continue because of that. So th there's so many changes that can happen, but until then, I'm not freaking out. Well, but, it, it, but, you know, the other thing is, is like, I think I, for, for me, I already know how I'm feeling and I, and I, and I've hear, heard a lot of my friends express this, you know, and I, I also work in the travel industry with the flight attending thing, but so, um, people are starting to get restless. They have been home way too long without an end in sight. And they are going, like, people who have never even traveled are going to be, are starting to say things to me, like, I got to get out of here. I just got to go somewhere. I just, I got to, I, I, I got to, I got to, I got to. And I think it's, I think we're going to see a mass, like, nature exodus of just like, eh, you know, as soon as they're, like, legally yeah. able to, they will. Yeah, we're already seeing people buying up property also in Costa Rica without even seeing it, like, 
I think these are people thinking, you know, I got to get out of the city somehow. I mean, the thing is, logistically, if you're looking at a vacation situation, yes, a living situation, you got to be able to still be able to make a, a certain amount of money, you know, that right now everybody's going remote. So yeah. no matter where you live. Exactly. So that's it. So people may be like, okay, I'm going to go live in a, in a place that's more secure, you know, that's not so crowded or whatever. Yeah, there's going to be so many changes. It's going to be like pre and post uh, COVID. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be referring to this for the many, many years to come, you know? That's how it is with like everybody, all the other flights are like, well, pre 9 11, we used to could bring deodorant in our bags or, or you know, whatever. <laughs> you can still bring deodorant. Be like, we used to be able to bring toenail clippers with little knives on the end of them before 9 11, and then now. We can't bring yeah. here scissors. I kind of find it's a little weird, but whatever. Let's not get into airport etiquette because uh, you know I have a lot to say about that. Oh, I hate it. It's um, it's it's a big facade of stupid crazy. It's, you know, it's all that whole like they do stuff just to make people feel safe. But um, yeah, yeah. Like I'm sorry, taking my tweezers away from me is not going to help anyone. I'm a chia no. man. Like seriously, you're just hurting me. You know. <laughs> yeah. You're just making money. And, and people get so, like, TSA really ruffles people's feathers, and then I get to deal with it. So it's oh. like, you know, the other day I had some lady come on, and she was just like, you know, I mean, she gave, like, the most colorful uh, display of cuss word. I wish I could remember the the sequencing, how it went, because it was it was very impressive. And, <laughs> um, and she was just like, I just can't handle the stupidity! Like, I was like, what happened? And she was just like, they made me consolidate my bags and they put everything in a trash bag. And she was, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, okay, whatever. But it, they, they really do mess with a lot of people and, and, and uh, you know. I know. It's not just TSA. It happened to me in France as well. Let's not go there. Yeah. French uh, custom office. Oh, you know, I was deported and held in prison for 24 hours in London, so. I need you to know this story. Oh, you didn't hear? Oh, maybe. I don't think I've ever told this on my podcast. Okay, so I um, I was going to go to grad school in London, right? And I had never known anybody who had gone there. I didn't have anybody. Who, nobody my, from, from my family ever traveled or did everything. So I had a passport, and they were, like, wanting me to send my passport to New York or L.A. from Dallas, where I was, and I was having to um, send it in the mail, and I was like, well, I'm not going to send my passport in the mail. I'll just put a photocopy in it. So, like, I pay for the, the, the student visa. I get accepted via email with the student visa, and I send photocopy. I'm waiting, There's and there's nowhere to call. There's, like, not a number you can call. Like I looked for, I mean, I wanted somebody to talk to about this. It's just, you know, it's like the bureaucracy thing of just the amount of red. It was anyway. So I never get it. And the, my time comes to go on my flight, but that's, so I'm like, oh, okay. So I just take the emails that said that, oh, you've been approved and all this stuff. And I don't know what the visa looks like. I was assuming it was a separate document or something. I didn't even realize it was in your, yeah, in your passport. So I get, so la la la, I get off the plane in London and I'm, I'm like, they're like, what are you here for? And I'm like, I'm here for school. I'm here to study. I should have just said for vacation, basically. But anyway, and they're like, well, where's your visa? And I was like, oh, here, here's my emails. And I look at, and, and like, and I'm like, and here's my acceptance letter into school. And here's my tuition that I paid. And here, 
here's everything. And they're like, yeah, but where's the visa? And I'm like, I don't know. They never sent it to me. And they're like, okay, come with us. So they put me in this room with oh, like, no. um, very suspicious people. I've yeah. Okay. There. So there's, yeah, it was very suspicious. To me. There's, there was like this 18 year old Australian girl who was crying the whole time because she like overstayed her, 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 her visa. And there was these three like guys from, um, Africa who had, uh, pink marshmallow goo. Like it looked like, a I I don't know, like something from Ghostbusters, that slime crap, like growing out of their eyeballs, like crawling like spider webs all over their eyes. And so they were quarantined for health reasons. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm like going like, oh my God. And they give me an aluminum blanket. I, there's a, there's a payphone in there, but it only accepts pounds and I haven't exchanged any money yet. So I have no way of calling my mom or letting anybody know what's going on. Right. So I'm in this like holding cell with these three guys who keep on looking at me with their pink marshmallow eyelashes. <laughs> and I'm like watching this like British veggie tale, like religious programming in the corner. And it's like, this goes on for like 24 hours is like my personal living hell and I'm not allowed to be by my by my uh bags or anything like I can't get any like my luggage is 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 out of the thing and then after about like 12 hours they take me into this room and there's like a swinging light and it looks like it's like good cop bad cop like something from like a tv show right and this lady sits me down and she's like so what's the situation here? And I'm like, you know, I explain it thing. And I'm like running on like no sleep. And she's just like, I don't understand how a person who's supposed to be coming here for higher education can make a mistake like this. And I was like, lady, if it weren't for people like me, you wouldn't have a job. No. And then like, eventually they put me back in the cell the next morning. Um, these armed guards come and get me. And they walk me, like, they have, they have like, their AK-47s, like, their, they have their guns. They, like, take me to the plane, and they send my ass back. They send my ass back to the U.S. And, yeah. And so I am, and, and then, like, they have this manila envelope. I have a manila, manila envelope that says, you know, um, denied entry from Her Majesty's Kingdom. And so, um, <laughs> and they put a little... Uh, X mark on my passport. It's just a little pin and you cannot, oh my God, it took 10 years for me to clear that to where they didn't like hold me extra when I would go through customs everywhere I went. Crazy. Yeah. So I get, I get back to the States. I, I call, I'm trying to get out of school. I've already paid my tuition in full for like the year. Um, and they won't refund my ticket. Cause I was like, you can have it. I'm never coming back there again, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, no, you, you gotta come. So I got, I had to get my, um, I had, I was two weeks late for school. I had to get my passport expedited. So I had to physically send it in. I figured out what I had to do. Yeah. And the thing, and then I went back and it was fine. But then that Christmas, I didn't, what I didn't realize is that my, I had, I had a return ticket for Christmas because I was going to come home and, uh, uh, like I get, I get to my return ticket at Christmas and I don't have it anymore because they used my return ticket to send me home, but they didn't tell me that. So then I had to like buy a ticket, like at, you know, on the spot, which was super expensive. And it was just, I don't know. The whole thing was so traumatic and I realized it was my mistake, but it was just like, I don't understand. In your defense, you're told to hold your passport like it's gold. 
You're told to not give away exactly. your passport. You're told not to do anything with your passport except to hold it. So when, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. I remember I had to send in, you know, a passport for something. I'm like, that seems odd that I'd have to send it through the mail, you know? Right. Yeah, that's how it is. They need the physical passport to put your visa in. So anyone listening from home. Yeah, learn from my mistake. Yeah, send it and make sure you get, you send it in a way where it's tracked and everything, but send it, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, so. My story, my story was very short, but I got stopped for suspicious profile. And I thought I was like, is it my profile or like, <laughs> but it's because I guess I went in and out of the States a lot through my car to go to New York from Canada. And they thought I, I was know. working or something. I'm like, no, I'm just having fun. Like I was just being friends. Though. I was held in that room, in that room, but in, Can in no, was it in Philly? I don't even know. It was somewhere scary with scary looking people. Detroit. Something. It was Philly. It was definitely Philly. But anyway, scary. Wow. Yeah, those people, they can mess with you. And it's like, I remember I, I was telling that story to like my friend and, and her husband was like, he's such a dick. He was like, well, you deserve that then. And I was like. Hmm. I, you've been, Nikki, you've I hope you all get a divorce. Yeah, no, I mean, it was. Your eye people, that's, that's traumatic enough right there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I maybe, maybe you got to see Ebola before it was a thing. <laughs> what it was it was like the white part of their eyes had swollen turned pink and was crawling out of their eyeballs it that's what looked like what was going on I can't, I can't even <laughs> and i have a real i have a real a, a thing about eyes like i i don't want my eyes to not be in my yeah. head you know like i want them to stay in my head like i have i have that desire i feel like that's most people but yeah you know, maybe more you. <laughs> well, now, now it's more me for sure. But yeah, um, so I don't know. But I, I do think these, these uh, travel faux pas, just, they do make you stronger though. And I will say like people who are scared to travel for the very first time. And even the cool, the cool thing I, what I like about people will say to me, because I travel a lot, people will say like, oh, do you, do you go alone or do you always go with friends? And it's like, no, I've, I've already used my friend da database resource. That's gone. Like they've, they don't have the time or the money or both or whatever. And so um, they're not coming with me to a two week excursion somewhere crazy. But so that's what I really like about these tours. Cause you can be single, you can be solo. Exactly. And they're not, and at least what we do, we, we try, we attract really cool, fun people that all just want to not necessarily travel on their own, but they want to be amongst people that are like, like-minded and, and feel the same way about wherever they're going, you know? So yeah. And honestly, there's, there's something about small group travel that's really appealing for most people that, like you say, like all their friends are really stuck in their jobs and they have a week here and a week there and they've already planned, like, this is to go see this family or, you know, this is for Christmas. And then if you're someone like you who travels a lot and likes to explore the world, it's so much worth it. I mean, I find, I remember being in France. I was in Le Montmartre. I remember so beautiful. Mm -hmm. We're looking, you know, Paris and I was like, oh, it's so beautiful, but I'm all by myself. And I'm like, hmm, this is before cell phones. I can't even call someone, you know? So it's like, you don't, you can't really just enjoy it as much as when you're with right. someone. Someone you can be like, oh my God, look at this, look at that. You can converse about it. You can like, lock it into your memory versus just being there like yeah i i backpacked europe um for six months and the first two months i had some 
girlfriends that I didn't really like very much. Um, but whatever, like they were somebody. Um, but then like when I separated from them, I, I actually really enjoyed traveling alone for a lot of it, except there would be times like, for me, it'll be like, I would be in a restaurant in Italy or something eating. And there was no cell phones when I did this. I did this in 2005 or something. And, or there were no smartphones or something. You couldn't, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I'm like sitting at a table and it's just like, you know, crickets, man. You're just kind of going like, this is boring. Like, you know, it's, it's good to, to kind of, you know, it, it, that's, what's good about like a, a tour group is like, you're, you're, you're going to find somebody interesting on it that you could, and I always bond with people on them. So yeah, well, you're amazing. That's easy for you. Oh, but yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and that's the thing about going with tour companies that have a host that's very engaging. You know, you want to go with like, for example, when I come with my groups, there's never a dull moment because I make sure, you know, everyone's having a good time and that no one's left behind and these kinds of things, you know, because not everyone's super good at socializing either. So you need some right. like some of that glue and you're definitely part of that glue, you know, that kind of makes people mesh together and laugh and like just have a good time and chill, you know? So I, I think I should just have you on all my trips. I think that would be the best thing. <laughs> I would love that. You would be like, hi, I'm the socialite. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But like, I just think that uh, uh, I, I need travel to come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I do agree. I do. It's time. I work, but I also need it because I want to keep exploring the world too. Hey, what else should we, should we tell people? Well, I think just in general, just to stay positive. You know, like just be be hopeful that uh, things will improve because it's like I call this, you know, this is the year of 2020 vision, right? 2020. So to have 2020 vision, you actually have to stop and look and really like delve into like, what is it that you're contributing to positively and negatively to this planet, you know? And I think new initiatives are going to come out of this. For example, there's a new initiative that I just found out. It's called SEVA, S-E-V-A. You can, you can download it, um, you know, through the applications. And it's like a search engine that now when you search for anything on that engine, every time you search, it actually sends money to charities to help feed people. So like there's new initiatives that exist that are going to be supporting, you know, the new world, which is, and I say the new world, I don't want to start a <laughs> careful with these. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to yeah. start like a new world order. order, right? Exactly. No, not that new world order. No. I'm just saying it will it will create a new way of doing things from people working from their homes, from less tourism that is actually damaging the environment. The the, the planet is taking a huge breather right now. I can tell you in Costa Rica, the animals are acting differently now. They're actually going like, "Hey, this is our place again," you know, and they're just like roaming, you know, doing their thing and getting back into the group versus having people like. Hey, taking photos of them every two minutes so all of this will have a positive impact even global warming everything but i mean we are in the same category as cockroaches and rats okay humans we shit in the places we live people okay so until we learn how to not do that and live in a way that that's more harmonious with our planet we're gonna have a problem and 2020 was a good year to stop and look at all those things so I see it as a very positive thing. Maybe people will build a lot more earth ships. Maybe. I like those things. Those are cool. Have you seen that movie Downsizing? Just randomly? No. Is it, what is it, like tiny homes? It's like, no, it's about like this concept of like downsizing humans 
so that they're oh like, yeah and, like, where they I, I haven't seen it i saw the commercials but where they, they're like the size of like an ant or something right very interesting i think it's like you know it's concepts always far-fetched concept but it's the idea of like how are we as humans going to save our planet and that and in that movie they talk about like in the next 100 to 200 years like humans will no longer exist well i mean i always think that it's like um we we've become so detached from our food source in general whereas that that was an initiative after world war ii worldwide but um prior to that like like for instance there was a big campaign set up by governments where it was like the smart people live in cities like the you know the educated if you're if you're just a hick you'll live in a small town but smart people go to the city you know and so there was this this thing where like prior to that throughout our history that we know of people doesn't matter if you were a congressman or you know whatever uh, any kind of position a lawyer or a farmer like you had a certain amount of your own like herbs or carrots in your garden like people just had some of their food source and we have gotten to a point where so many people have like zero they don't even understand how carrots grow you know what was it with Zac Efron that new show with Zac Efron oh yeah down to earth or whatever I watched that actually it was good. so bad, but the, one of the episodes oh, the yeah. about Costa Rica, and it's about he has, like no clue where anything comes from. Like he's like chocolate. It's from a chocolate. I, I know. I was like, oh god. Uh, yeah, exactly. I liked that guy he was with his like his old like hot yeah. like fruitarian guy or whatever he's with. That guy was kind of cool, but like yeah, no. Yeah, Zach yeah but he had, like he's like, oh, let's get Zach Efron to all these like younger people who have zero concept of what where they're right. which is probably good because I mean you know they 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 don't know he's like oh wow i didn't know that exactly. no but it, it's true i mean like i mean there were there were foods that like i i got to see in the jungle that like what was that one that we ate and it made everything taste sweet yeah that's called the fruta de milagrosa miracle fruit it's a little berry it has miracolina and it changes the taste of your taste buds but yeah, yeah. no but that's normal like who, who would have seen like that's not something very common but most people would know right. that chocolate comes from you know maybe they don't know how it's made but it doesn't come from a bunny, okay? <laughs> from an Easter bunny. People. Yeah, it has a root. But yeah, I I I know a lot of people probably don't even know that. Yeah. No. And cacao, you can eat raw, and it's yeah. it's so healthy. Fruit. It's like uh, one of the best things you can put in your body. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. I see what you're saying. Yeah, people are disconnected from their food source. And I think more and more, like even just being in isolation, you're put face to face with your habits. Like all of a sudden you're like, what do I do on a daily basis? You know, how do I, I fill my time? You know, uh, yeah. Am I doing exercise? Am I like, what am I abusing? Alcohol, drugs, whatever, you know, it's putting us face to face with our vices, you know? And I think all of 2020, what's this, what this is doing is really stopping us to look at what our habits are, what can we do to change things. And I, I hope, I hope to, to the Lord above that people will like start manipulating their lives so that they're more, you know, eco-sensitive, maybe more sustainable, like all those words I won't throw at you, but you know, just do the right thing, people, you know? Just the other day I saw this old man like, this, old man he was like 60 years old but he threw a piece of paper on the ground i stopped my car i picked it up and said oh did you drop this <laughs> <Give it back. laughs> so like 
very <laughs> diplomatic. Uh, yeah, no, I've seen some people lose their minds on the planes right now. Like there was a dude the other day who it was late at night. There's only like 23 people on the plane, but uh, he stripped down to his boxers. And I was like, no. I walked back there and I was like, is everything okay, sir? And he was like, I'm so hot. It's so hot in here. And this mask is just making me hot. I'm not going to take my boxers off, but I just, I can't, it's too restricting. I can't take it. It's just, and I, and I mean, and we were talking about like a dude, like in the sixties or whatever. And it was just like, oh. Oh, oh, and I was like, okay, well, uh, off your boxers. Sir. And I, I mean, I'm sure I could have made a deal of it or should have made a deal of it, but I was just like, mask off you do. Yeah. I was just like, you do you, man. <laughs> I'm going back to go read my book. Like, Oh, you and I could sit here. We should actually do, just do a podcast about situations that happen on planes. <laughs> I have at least 10 different stories I can tell you right now. You know? Oh, yeah. I could definitely you fill podcast with people's now. craziness. Yeah. I could say some of your stories too because you're some of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll have to do that. We'll have to do like a podcast only about situations that happen on Perfect. All right. That was Martine. So bye. Happy, happy traveling. But thank you.